Welcome to the Why God Why podcast. I am Peter Englert. I am here with our communication guru and friend, wow. co-host. Communication guru. I, I like. I feel like each time I'm on here, the, the title gets better and better. I'll take well, it. We're trying to land somewhere. And then uh, we're here with our producer, Nathan. We are doing, and Nathan's awesome, so I should say the videos all look good and the audio because of Nathan, so I can't do that. So anyways... We are here um, doing a series with Northeastern Seminary at Roberts Wesleyan College on spiritual practices. We are asking the question, why is meditation good for our life with God? We are here with Dr. Rebecca Letterman, and we are going to introduce her in a moment. Aaron, what are your thoughts on meditation before we get started? Well, I'm excited about this topic. I think it's it's going to be a great conversation here. I'm so glad to, to have you here. It's so good to meet you here. Um, and uh, I think that it's something that we need to be thinking more about. I mean, I think there's probably a lot of people who just hear that word meditation and like, well, what is that? What do you even mean by that? And I think that we're going to get into that here. Um, and then why would it be something that uh, is something important to Christians? Uh, that's an even more exciting topic to me. So, yeah, um, you know, whether someone's watching and they're a Christian or they're not, I think it's going to be a pretty interesting conversation. And I mean, you said that right as my mic dropped. So mic drop. Well, I uh, thought maybe you were leaving. I don't know. Like, <laughs> you you made me a communications guru, and all of a sudden you're like, "All right, podcast says, boom, I'm out." Hey, who knows? Maybe we'll let you. I'll Sabbath, and you can do a podcast. Oh, there. All right, <laughs> Doctor Letterman, you've been so patient. Um, so why don't you just share a little bit of your story and just uh, you said to me, meditation is part of what you do. You have a passion and spiritual formation. How'd you get here? Right. Thank you uh, for having me. And thank you for that question. So um, I had the privilege of actually growing up as a pastor's kid, and I've lived to tell the story. And so I've grown up around church folk all my life. Uh, but what I really was always interested in was um, how do we grow and change and hopefully become better people, which as a Christian person, I understand that as becoming more like Christ and how he showed us what a human being is. Um, but how do we how do we change over time? Um, which I think is one of the great invitations of, say, a Christian faith. And so because of that, I was always interested in in how we change and and hopefully change for the better, mm -hmm. uh, despite whatever the circumstances are or maybe because of them. And so um, I ended up getting the chance to study spiritual formation in Pittsburgh probably about 25 years ago and studied with a person who had spent his lifetime studying that. So that was my formal education was there um, at the Epiphany Academy in Pittsburgh with Adrian von Kahn. Uh, but personally, I always have been someone who's looking to grow and change. And so I've had this personal trajectory, and then at the same time, a uh, professional trajectory that kind of, they, they feed each other. And so that's that's how I've got into inter being interested in spiritual practices as one part of spiritual formation. But mm. yeah, that's how I entered in. Mm. Go ahead. What it, so can you just, uh, I know we're going to get into meditation and and. and uh, more particularly that way, but can you just, sure. uh, for someone who may not hear the word spiritual formation every day, like what is that? What Most does that even dead. really mean? Like you know, <laughs> I know it's something that it gets talked about in some Christian circles, and actually probably more so in Christian circles that are at seminary or something like that. But mm -hmm. what does that mean, like for the the, the lay listener or the non unchurched listener? What does for, spiritual formation mean? Absolutely. It's thank you for the question. So. Uh, 
I understand spiritual formation in the most general sense. So for every human being, whatever, no matter what your faith uh, or non-faith setting is, to be the way that you receive um, from something that is bigger than yourself, vitality and life, and then how you express that. So as a Christian person, I understand that to be something that comes to us by the generosity of God mm. and through the ministry of Jesus Christ and the Spirit to enliven me and give me vitality, give us vitality. Um, and at the same time, I also, I understand God to be generous enough that the way he's made all human beings is that all of us actually can be attentive to something larger than us and receive from it. And then how do we respond to that? So spiritual formation is spirit, something that's that transcends our senses, something that's larger than us. Uh, and then again, how, how do we get sensitized to that and responsive to it? Mm. You know, I love Aaron's question because I think it sets us up um, <laughs> as someone that studies this and practices this. You know, I think about there's a mindfulness app um, I'm wearing a Fitbit right now and it actually says how often have you meditated and um, I kind of watched the church kind of go we don't meditate to all of a sudden now <laughs> it's like you know my daughter does baby yoga like and it's not like a huge deal uh, I, I love the love on on uh, social media so as someone that's observed the last 20, 30 years with just the change in meditation, what are some of your thoughts on that? Sure, it's a great question, Peter. Um, and, and you worded it in a way that's important because you also talked about, you, you entered into the idea of meditation under the larger topic of mindfulness. Mm. And so mindfulness is something that has come certainly into our culture probably since, I'd, I mean, the dominant culture here in North America, probably since the 60s in one way, shape or form. And um, I think it means a lot of things. So yoga is, can be, it isn't necessarily, but it can be a way that we become, for example, mindful of our bodies mm. and, and various perceptions, balance, spatial things, et cetera, et cetera. So that's a practice of mindfulness. I would suggest that meditation is another practice that falls under the larger category of mindfulness. And so uh, because of that, there are a lot of, many, many, a myriad, probably thousands of different ways that you can practice mindfulness. And depending what of those you select, I think for some folks, say church folks, um, some of what those are might make us a little bit uncomfortable because some of them have specific religious overtones with, with religious overtones that have, some of those religions have assumptions that are not really conducive to and compatible with what we as Christians understand um, God and the world and ourselves to be. So, so there's a, I, would, I would suggest a very small category of things that fall into that. But sometimes we um, can be a little reactive to things we don't understand. Mm. So I, th I think part of the reason that some Christians can be a little uncomfortable with it is because Again, in the 60s, much of what has now become the dominant mindfulness movement predominantly came in through things like Buddhism and some, um, some Eastern cultures as well as Eastern religions. Mm. But actually, if you understand um, particularly meditation practices, which is what we're going to focus on, actually the, 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 um, 
Christian tradition has a very long history of that as well, but not as much in our Western, quote unquote, Western Latin-based branch of the church, Protestant, Roman Catholic Protestant branches, um, and particularly Protestant branches. We haven't been, the, the dominant uh, culture in that has not been particularly attuned to mindfulness or meditation practices. So maybe a long answer to your question, but I think it's because it came in to our dominant American culture through a gateway that some folks thought, well, uh, we don't know about that. Mm -hmm. uh, it's unknown to us. So since we're a little, you know, we're, we're a little um, concerned, maybe a little fearful because we don't, we don't know that much about that. And mm -hmm. is that okay for us as Christians to participate? So when you, yeah. when you talked about some of the, the Christian roots of meditation, are you, are you referring to um, like monasteries in Europe? Or are you talking about the Eastern Orthodox tradition or what, which, where is it coming from? Okay. And both, both and, okay. and I will, I would make this distinction if we're talking about, and I think we are the, the, what I would again call our dominant culture, mindfulness, awareness these days and meditation within that practice. And for example, you see that a lot in secular, sec all kind of secular settings, business settings, medical settings, et cetera. So if we're talking about that, which I think it is what we're aiming at, then actually in Christianity, we have to be aware of a little difference in language. Because if you look way back, say, in scriptural language, and you look at what how med, the word meditation is used, it actually means something different than what the mindfulness meditation stream does now. And it's more, you, I don't mean to tell you something you already know, but that's actually more around thinking, mulling over, chewing on. You have an idea and you're really kind of using all of what you know to kind of think about that in the broadest sense of think, in a, in a good sense of thinking um, that includes all of us. In the Christian tradition, the thing that I would suggest more closely aligns with meditation in the way we're talking about it today is actually the contemplative stream of Christianity. And so, uh, and contemplation is more around a quietness, an awareness of how we perceive things um, in and of ourselves, and we would say as Christians, with a with a, a larger transcendent spiritual viewpoint and so the contemplative tradition has been around since very very early days um, one might argue you could even see it in the culture of the gospels even in biblical times but if not there you can definitely trace it pretty specifically from the desert tradition which is like the 300s and so you and and that influenced what we think of as monastic traditions hmm. and so that's one of the ways that i think what we mean today by meditation our topic for today it really really aligns more closely with what would be called the contemplative tradition in Christianity. I want to come back to something you said that's interesting. Um, I'm not a PhD, but I, I've read the Gospels a number of times. I don't mm. see Jesus use the word meditation. I don't right. see the Gospel writers using that, but you made mention that the culture of the New Testament was meditative. I'd love to hear a little bit more kind of to help our listeners understand that. Sure. So um, the way I think about that is uh, we are, again, in our dominant North American culture, we are an extremely technologically influenced culture. And I don't just mean computers. Our entire country was based on technology and, and technological um, changes 
that have allowed us to do a lot of stuff and and successfully in the world. And I'm grateful for those things. I love my electric toothbrush, right? So I'm not anti-technology. <laughs> I mean, really, tech, I'm, you know, I, I love my breathable uh, uh, outerwear when I go for a hike or a bike, right? So all the technology is really important. However, one of the b basic ideas of technology is, in many ways, is it allows us to very much control our environment. And so just in the simple sense of um, when you look at that kind of a culture where we highly control our environments, light and dark, right? We're not dependent on what's outside, um, sound, all kinds of things. All our, even our basic senses have been very technology, uh, I don't know if that's an actual word, but influenced by technology, right? So that's very different than the predominantly agrarian setting of the gospel times. And so just simply the fact that, for example, I, um, we, we, many of us are gonna work far past sunset and we may get up way before sunrise and we fill pretty much every moment in between as efficiently, efficiency is another value of technology, as efficiently as possible. And that simply was not the way people lived in the gospel times. Mm -hmm. there, was, there was much more an attunement to the rhythms, the seasons, the day rhythms, the night rhythms. Uh, I love it, and, and the gospels, for example, a couple times say Jesus was tired or Jesus was thirsty. And what does he do when he's tired? He takes a nap. When he's thirsty, he sits down and has a drink. So it was just, it, we live very differently now than we did as human beings then. And so I think that the rhythms of life, though I don't want to romanticize then, it was very hard work and, you know, but they were very different from what we have now. And so in that sense, I think, uh, I know you folks have also done a podcast on Sabbath. And, and to me, Sabbath is also part of these rhythms of life that actually have a little more um, awareness of both activity and rest, mm -hmm. speaking and being silent. There was a lot more of that kind of awareness, I believe, back in the gospel times. And so it was just more implicit in the culture itself that you would, for example, sit around and there'd be storytelling and there'd be a skilled storyteller and other people would listen. Mm -hmm. And that's different than our setting now where if I want a story, every one of us can pull up an app, find exactly the kind of story we want any time we want, right? It's just very, it's, we're, we are very different culturally in that sense. So I think in that way, when it, in the gospels, for example, talk about Jesus going off to a mountain to pray, it, I actually would, very, I find it not a stretch of the imagination to really believe that, and he did that fairly often from what we can tell, that his being solitary and praying and a prayerfulness that wasn't just um, asking for things or telling God stuff, but actually also listening and receiving, that is more a posture that is nourished by things like uh, meditation mm. and mindfulness. So it's just a cultural difference. Mm. That's, that. I, I loved listening to that, uh, to you explain that. Um, and, you know, the idea of their, the rhythms, um, I mean, that's, I think there's, there's a lot of power there to dig into and to explore. Um, how do you, you know, I, I think we we're talking about uh, meditation right right now. Um, you you brought up this idea of Sabbath and whatnot, but I think in in the midst of all that, you talked about how technology we can control our environment, 
it also seems like that technology, which I'm, I, I love technology too, don't get me wrong, but it can also in- introduce a lot of noise too, which it seems like, uh, I mean, I don't know if there are certain places around the world do this better than us, but I suspect that our culture allows there to be a lot of noise. How do you, how do you get past that to mm-hmm. even prepare your, uh, yourself for one of these rhythms, meditation or, or whatnot? I mean, I guess we're going to get into what is, what it is. Maybe we should do that first. I, I don't know. I'll let Peter jump in on that, but, but like, how keep, do you keep going on this train? I like it. Well, how do you, how do you, how do you prepare yourself even to get, I mean, you, you mentioned like we can all look at our apps and get whatever story we want at story time, you know, story time, <laughs> but also on our phones, in addition to be watching, watching whatever we want to watch, whatever story, you also get a little alerts that distract you right. from whatever story you're doing or distract you from your email or distract you from, um, I mean, at some point we're probably gonna be wearing glasses that have little things that pop up and distract. But so how do we even get ourselves to a place where we can be prepared for that? Yeah, that's a, that's a really important question because it, just, just to name what you said is, is a huge formative dynamic right now. Um, there are studies that show that the constant interruption of us, which happens whether we have, and again, I'm, I'm not a Luddite at all. I, I enjoy technology too, but we're so interrupted. It literally is shaping and changing the way our brains work mm-hmm. so that we actually literally, because we get used to sound bites, quick things, a lot of interruption when we're on the net, um, it actually changes it so that it's, it becomes much more difficult for us to focus for long periods of time. So to answer your question, um, or to, to highlight what you said, it's so important because we're actually, we are physically being changed by our technology. That's really important to pay attention to. So in response, for example, um, ways to prepare oneself for various rhythms, including meditation, include things like, first of all, being aware of that. If we don't even know, if we're just kind of going through our days and we don't realize, you know what, the fact that I get interrupted, eh, you know, five times while I'm reading through a website by pop-ups. If I'm not even aware of the fact of how that's shaping my brain, I'm not even going to notice or or take steps to do anything about it. Mm -hmm. And and what people who study this tell us is that what we actually do, they actually use the language of, for example, a technology Sabbath, where it's really important for those of us who carry phones with us, which uh, smartphones, which many of us do, it's actually in order to push back a little bit against that constant interruption and thus change going on in our brains. We literally need to set our phones down and be away from them. And I don't mean with an earbud, but like away from them with them silenced or off and us not attending for regular periods of time. Um, Some of them say technology Sabbath, like take a day. Mm. Um, But I would suggest we even have to break into that because for most of us, that we get really uncomfortable if we're away from our phone for five minutes. And I don't, I'm not, no judgment, like just literally an observation, that's how much our brains have changed. So we need to do things to, as first we need to be aware, and then secondly, take some steps, involve our human agency, and, and respond to that in a way, for example, with my phone, I'm gonna take times, so I'm gonna set that down, mute it, and walk away. Uh, I'll let my family know who knew, you know, I usually 24 access, 24 seven access, you know, I'm going to be away a little bit. Don't worry. I'm good. And then the same thing with, you mentioned constant noise. We actually, I would suggest in order to prepare ourselves for something like meditation, 
we need to, in other ways, also begin to create just little snippets of silence. So when I get in my car, for example, to drive somewhere, do I always immediately put on the radio? Do I immediately put on a podcast I want to listen to? Or do I sometimes choose, you know what? I'm actually not going to do that today. I'm going to just take this 10-minute drive to the grocery store and not fill, in, fill the space in. Um, I walk every morning. I love listening to podcasts. And I do other work during the day that doesn't really let me have a lot of time to give that kind of attention. Uh, and so because of that, I often listen to podcasts when I walk. But I figured out recently, I thought, you know what? I need to have some days or some part of my walk, maybe the first 10 minutes, not going to start the podcast. I'm actually going to walk in quiet. It's beautiful where we live right now here in upstate. I'm going to um, not put my earbud in. I'm going to just enjoy the feel of the sun. I'm going to enjoy the sounds of the birds. Just enjoy it a little bit. Then I'll listen to my podcast. So creating spaces where we have these uh, quieter times, and then that might make some room for mindfulness, <laughs> let alone meditation. Well, if you're listening to this podcast and you're outside, take a 10-minute break. Just make sure you return it on. I just, <laughs> I just wanna... yeah, You can pause. Exactly. You can pause. You can pause. pause um, so, so this, uh, Aaron, that was, that was fantastic, and Rebecca, mm -hmm. that was fantastic. So I guess where I want to get to now is my senses and our listeners could respond i look at meditation at least in the way that we sense it as kind of like diet and exercise there's a sense of it's really important mm -hmm. i should do it but i don't know how or what mm -hmm. it looks like mm -hmm. um so you know we can talk about outside the christian perspective but and you were sure. kind of hinting at it but from a christian perspective like what does, if I'm going to meditate on a Tuesday afternoon at 7.30 p.m. because I have a half hour pocket of time, mm -hmm. what does that look like? Oh, I love it. Um, so if I had somebody I was going to kind of coach in that, uh, I would actually start them out not with thinking you're going to meditate for a half an hour because that's really, especially given our lives and the way we normally live, you need to start small. Mm. So honestly... Um, I'd get to know them, find out a little bit more about them so I could tailor it. But for most folks, I would actually say something like, what about if you start out and go take a 15-minute walk? No agenda. You don't have to do anything. Just first take a walk. Just go enjoy the the, the afternoon, uh, the, the early evening. This time of year, we can do that around here where we live. So just take a walk first. And then when you come back... Um, be somewhere where you can be uninterrupted for a little bit and where it's reasonably quiet. It's not going to be silent. We don't live in a silent world. But purposefully tried to create some relatively quiet space. So probably not playing podcasts, music, TV in the background, just quieting that down. And then for most people, when we think about meditation, there is a stillness part of it, which is actually why I said to walk first, because uh, you can there's all, you can do walking meditations, lots of ways to do it. But a stillness meditation for many people is helpful um, so that you're not distracted by a bunch of other stuff around you. And, and, and many people will do it eyes closed, but you don't have to. Um, I am very nearsighted, so sometimes I'll actually take my glasses off, but actually let my eyes open, but not focused on other stuff around me, because I'm trying to just basically settle down and have less input, um, exterior input fly, firing at my brain. 
and, and just be quiet. And then as a Christian person, I'm going to very specifically invite God's spirit into all this with me. So actually, I would have done that with the walk, just like, Lord, um, I want you to be part of this. I don't want to guide this myself. I want to invite you to guide this um, with me. This is a kind of, I'm trying to orient myself to you. And so because of that, I want to trust you and your spirit to guide me. And so I do that. So I'd ask that, take the walk, sit down somewhere reasonably quiet uh, where I'm going to be undisturbed. And I'd probably have a timer of some sort because I'm not real good at judging time and set it for three minutes mm. and try to just sit. And as a Christian person, I would put it this way, um, just relax in the fact that God loves you. Just sit and just bask in and the fact you don't have to do anything to earn anything from God. You can just sit here, know you're loved, and just rest for three minutes with God. And I'd start there. And then I'd invite the person afterwards. So if you walk for 15 minutes, settle down. You've been quiet for three. That's 20 minutes in. And then I'd invite them to pay attention to how was that? Um, what did that feel like for you? What was that experience like? And then I, as a Christian, I would offer that in prayer to the Lord. Say, Lord, huh, this was what that was like. Do you have anything you want to say to me about that? And I would just be being aware. And then what I would do is I would, uh, I would begin just build the time up. So do the three minutes for a week. Mm. Maybe do five minutes for another week. Then do, you know just build it up gradually, and then maybe you know split it. Walk in fifteen minutes, quiet fifteen minutes. And, and just adjust that and see where I can move into that restful way of being with God. For some people, they, they literally, for various reasons, personality types, various things, they can't sit still. So they may actually find the walk is where they do it. Mm. And they can do a walking meditation. And again, the idea with what makes it a meditation and not an exercise walk is I'm not speeding through. I'm not, I don't have a goal other than to restfully be with God mm. and just see what happens. And for other folks, the walking is helpful to settle us, but we're too distracted by what we see. So sitting still is a way we can move into the rest. Wow, that's I mean, those there's a lot there. I love I love uh, the tips that you that you're coaching, um, and uh, there's so many things I, I want to jump off from that. I definitely I love walks. Um, I know that those help me, especially if I'm walking in woods or walking by what, like our great lake here mm -hmm. or the um, Erie Canal or something like that. Um, but yeah, the sitting still part, um, uh, you know, I, I think that for me, that's something I'm glad you said three minutes at first, because I, you know, for me, I hope I'm, I'm sure I'm not alone having to sit and just be still like that. Um, you know, I, I, I think for me, I would struggle with Oh, I start thinking about what do I have to do later? What do I have to, you know, and Absolutely. somehow you have to shield that out of your, yeah. your mind. And three minutes sounds like it'd be a lot of work, actually. So. Okay. So if I, if I can do a follow-up to that. Yeah. So a couple of things. First of all, three minutes will feel really long for most people. Um, I have my, I, I teach and I have students and I have them do a practice where they do two minutes of this. And they'll say, it's so hard to do two minutes. And it really is. But it becomes, it, it's, it's really a way to kind of settle our systems. Um, so it's worth doing. The second piece I'd say, uh, you use this motion of shielding, like you feel like you'd have to shield. And, and for those who can't see, he's pushing his hands outward, right. and he, but they came up like a barrier. And often I think there's a misnomer around meditation that we have to or we should close out thoughts hmm. and stuff, right? But actually, meditation, in the way I understand it, what's really helpful for integration of our minds and lives is a much more gentle approach. So it's more just noticing 
what you said. Gee, when I sit down and try to be still, where does my mind go? And depending on, frankly, personality types and just our life experiences, some of us are going to start planning, oh, I could do my grocery, like, what's my grocery list? You know, or, or when I'm done, I could do this more efficiently. Others of us won't, you know, we'll be thinking about a conversation we had yesterday. So those thoughts are not a bad or wrong or unwanted thing. They, we just notice, oh, I, that's what I do that. My mind goes there. And then you bring it as a, again, for the meditation we talked about as a Christian, I might come back and be like, Lord, I, I really do want to just rest with you. And gosh, isn't that funny how I have a hard time resting with you? Like, I could really use some help here because I just want to rest and be with you. I'm not asking something from you or not having an agenda. From a secular standpoint, the way that might get talked about, for example, would be around breath meditations. People mm. say, come back to your breath. And what they're saying there is a breath is something everybody carries with us. It's attached actually really closely to our emotional life in our bodies. And so it's um, paying attention to how we breathe can help us become aware of how we're feeling for those of us who are not feeling people uh, in the sense that we don't talk feelings and think feelings <laughs> or whatever, um, feel feelings. And then it's also very variable. It changes minute to minute. So it's kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. So when people say, come back to the breath, it's just like, oh, because your mind needs something to do. It's just like, oh, I could just notice that. And again, the point of that, there's not something magical about your breath. The idea is, again, just calming down and not having to think and learning to let my mind rest a little bit from discursive thought. So I know you all were asking, you know, what do the Englerts talk in their home? So um, <laughs> we're going to go with this. Um, and I'm probably going to mess it up, so my wife might comment. But so she's been trained in EMDR, okay. which is eye movement deprocessing. I'll, I'll get it wrong, a bit, but essentially what it is, it's it's a type of therapy that um, it has a degree of mindfulness. We'll mm -hmm. say I won't say meditation, but it's supposed to pull out trauma. Mm -hmm. um, so she did this exercise with me. And I always joke with her, you take, you know, these two fingers and you go like this. And the hardest part for me, it was a great exercise. It was, you know, imagine a nice place mm -hmm. where you are. She's like, you can't close your eyes. Mm -hmm. So what right. was super awkward about it was, you know, maybe for other people it'd be easier. But I was like literally looking at my wife's fingers, then trying to look at her. Mm -hmm. um, and at the end of it, I had to like what's that place and it was just you know because for me i'm kind of like aaron i guess most of our listeners we can do the walking part mm -hmm. you know we could mm -hmm. but it's the stillness and right. i even think about this centering app that i have which literally this old old app all it does is it dings when you start mm -hmm. and it dings when you end mm -hmm. but what even for me of trying to get to that place where you close your eyes and mm -hmm. I think what I'm hearing you say, and even comparing that with what Robin was doing with me, was the physical is actually this appetizer precursor to set you up to get you for the thoughts or the feelings. That's kind of what I'm hearing. Am I hearing that sort of? Well, yeah, they're very closely related. I, I, I wouldn't even I wouldn't even put them one okay. preset. They, they because they're integrated so closely. Mm. So it's really it's becoming aware of how closely they're integrated. Um, the reason I mentioned closing many many people will close their eyes i often will start that way because i'm just otherwise all the stuff get my attention so i'll begin that way and and i would liken it to this um so when i was a kid i played the french horn and when i was learning to play the french horn i'd have a little lesson at school and they'd send me home and i'd practice in my room by myself on my little music sheet 
And then once a week, we'd get together for band practice. And I'd play, we'd all have that, we'd put that together, and we'd all play our parts. The idea was, was to play with the band, to do it in an integrated way that's, you know, involving other people. But I can't start learning the basics of the French horn and how to read music in the band. There's too much going on. So by being alone in my room by myself with a little, little coaching I had, just do this for 15 minutes, Rebecca, you know, practice this, this piece, that lets me learn how to do that and then take it to the band. Mm. And in some sense, my take on meditation is like, for example, the quietness, closing my eyes, that sort of thing, is, is, is the in my room practicing. But it's not the ultimate goal. Ultimately, I'd love to be able to move into being, again, as a Christian person, being aware of being resting in with God's presence. I want to be able to do that anywhere. And in fact, it's probably the best place to do it might be when I have somebody honking a horn from behind, like hustling me along the highway, right? That's probably exactly where I need to actually be in touch more with that. <sighs> but I'm not going to start it there. And biologically, I can't. There's too much stuff going on physically to, to begin there. So we begin with the quiet place. That's why it can be helpful if you're used to closing your eyes, if you do that first maybe, then to move to, again, if you have glass, take your glasses off, not focused on something, or if you don't need that, um, open your eyes. And you'll hear this from people that talk about doing meditation. Open your eyes, kind of move them downward, and just kind of don't focus on something, but you've got them open. Part of the purpose of that is it's trying to move you toward being able to integrate this into other areas of life. Mm. Wow. So how often, um, when you're coaching people in this, or if you were to coach somebody, uh, someone's getting started, this is something you tell them to do every day? Is it? And then also, once they do it, do you ask people to follow up like in a journal or something to write to write what they experienced or that's a, that's a beautiful question because it is really helpful i mean you don't have to have a coach you don't have to do journaling you could just do this but how many of us just do it right so we're trying those kind of things build in ways to help us su succeed or learn this new practice so yeah it's it's helpful to do it um, honestly when i have folks i'm coaching i would say um, aim for five days a week not every day give yourself a break you know it's all right um, again, trying to build in that gentleness, but say five days a week, and again, start with two minutes a day would be fine if you haven't done this before. Start and just see how, and then, yeah, you could journal, how is that? What's that feel like? Talk with me, how's that, how is that for you? And then let's talk about, let's talk about how that was and go on from there. The purpose being, um, and that would be a thing, what's your purpose? Why are you doing this, right? There can be all kinds of different reasons people meditate. So why, what, what, what's your goal? Right. And then so, you know, make being aware of that first and moving toward it. But yeah, a little bit at a time over and regularly, way better in terms of how it will help your brain and body develop what it needs to to have the practice. It's way better to do regular small pieces than one big one. So I think you just started to, to, uh, um, think about my question already, my next question before I even <laughs> said it, but like you, you started to get into, um, writing down what's happening and then thinking about what's your goal. And so, but let's say someone is just hearing about meditation for the mm -hmm. first time, mm -hmm. uh, whether in a Christian sense or not. So why should they even think about it? Like, what is the, what is the goal? What, what, what do you see when people have, have taken this seriously? 
um, and even starting to take in some baby steps, like what mm-hmm. what are the payoffs for someone? Yeah. Um, so I would say, and again, people are going to have different things, different goals. I want to be someone, I'm going to go back to that. You asked me about what's spiritual formation. I want to be somebody who is receptive to things beyond my own little self and my own little mm. awareness. And so one of the reasons I want to meditate is because it is going to nurture a receptivity in me. So it's not actually during my meditation times per se that I get great insights or I'm like, oh, I'm like, so, you know, I'm just all chill. A lot of times not. But what, what it does is it spills over into the rest of life. So for people who, for example, um, want to maybe move out of themselves a little bit and be a little bit more aware of others, um, of God, or of those things that are larger than us, meaningfulness in life, those bigger things that can help with that. It's, it's emotionally, psychologically, physiologically, there are, there are really good benefits. Emotionally and psychologically, it, it literally integrates our brain when we meditate. Uh, it, so it's going to help us access various capacities we have, not that are better than, or, but that are distinctive from our cognitive thinking capacities. It actually nurtures other human capacities we have yeah. to meditate and, and be quiet and move into that receptive place so that we have access to more of the capacities of who we are as human beings. And then I think just in terms of um, sensitivity to others, and um, developing a communal awareness, it can help us, um, what they call in psychology, you'd be familiar with this, Peter, um, Mm self-regulate so that when we get, when our bodies get, um, I I love that there's somebody, um, Suzanne Stabile, who teaches on Enneagram. She uses, she's a Texan, she uses the word whooped up. (laughs) You know, when we get whooped up, um, when we get triggered, uh, when we get activated, when ourselves just get wound up, that part of our physiological being uh, needs to be, or, or the invitation is for it to get quote unquote regulated, gentled a bit so that it doesn't take us over and drive us. And meditation is something that actually uh, moving into that space and knowing what it feels like to be at rest. If you don't even know what that feels like, how can you even know how to come off that constant drivenness? So it actually lets you in, in an embodied way feel, oh, this is what that's like so that you can then notice, oh, I'm not in that space right now. The honk and horn behind me, I'm like ready to like, I don't know, I don't know what your thing is, but you know, <laughs> You're make up. a gesture <laughs> or do whatever, you know? Um, that's why I'm, oh, that's not that. And you be, it helps you become aware of it. And so your brain can actually integrate so that you can use those capacities um, for your own self-regulation, for being aware of other people and noticing and actually reading their emotions and their states of being whooped up or not better. And I would suggest as a Christian uh, person from that perspective, it makes me more receptive to the nudgings of what I perceive to be the nudgings of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So I, I just, I love where this conversation is going because it's super practical. It challenges I us. Um, I take some blame in this because as a pastor, you know, I'm sure there's people out there that, well, you need to read your Bible and pray. And mm-hmm. kind of the vision you're outlining is, okay, I'm going to tell you how to read your Bible and pray, but not to regulate it more just, this is just some practical steps, do what you need to do. I'm sure that there's people out there 
that whether they're deconstructing or they're skeptics or they're doubters mm -hmm. and we have a wonderful person like yourself that's so gracious with restful and they're saying you're telling me i'm assuming a god that wants to know me and wants mm -hmm. to love me mm -hmm. i don't feel that mm -hmm. why would i even just entertain this christian version especially if i have so much pain i mean where would you go with that yeah and I, that's a that's a pastorally sensitive question. I appreciate it because, um, yeah, even Christian people sometimes don't feel it. Um, so that's 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 a that's a, just a beautiful inventory question. Thank you. Um, I would really say to folks like that: first of all, do you have any desire at all? Is it at all? Is there anything appealing to you at all about a God who would want to know you? in a way that's not like laying down rules and, and judging you or that, but actually thinks you're terrific um, and really wants you to know that you are a treasured human being. Um, is there anything in that at all that, that you might find appealing? Anything mm -hmm. at all that's of interest? Um, and if so, oh, well, we could explore that together. And, and if not, I'd really want to hear, well, just tell me, tell me why. I'd really love to hear um, what your experience have been, because a lot of people are going to have re the reaction you described for a lot of, frankly, pretty justified reasons. So I think it's important that we meet people where they are um, and listen first before we start telling them stuff. <laughs> Is that a right to say on a podcast? <laughs> Man, I, I love that. Um, you know, we always do our last question, but I just want to give you one more opportunity if i'm new to this i mean northeastern seminary sponsoring this so please <laughs> fill out a connect card and apply there we go um <laughs> good job you know did you like that that was smooth that was really sweet but yeah. uh, <laughs> but uh thank you jp anderson um anyways um i i guess what would you recommend kind of on the beginner or novice resources apps books or website that you say you know, I'm not ready to take a seminary class. I'm not ready to do, but I, I am curious. Where would you send someone? Let me, let me, uh, curious about meditation, meditation specifically. Yeah, yeah, yeah meditation. Um, hmm. If you're, if you're just curious, I'd actually just, first of all, suggest that you do something like take the walk and sit still for two minutes. Mm -hmm. Like you don't have to buy anything or do a lot of research here to do that. Um, that said, you might want to start to look at, there's a lot of material out there on um, what they call body-mind science. And much of that will address mindfulness and meditation. So you could look at that. There are a lot of apps, as you said, out there. Um, there's one, I think it was 99 cents that I've used called Buddhify. That's basically what you said. It just it, it gives you somebody talking you through two minute, five minute, 12 minute mindfulness practices. Um, so it's not particularly Buddhist for those of us who might be a little nervous about that. Um, but there are apps like that. And and so, yeah, an app can be useful. Um, again, just beginning to be curious and find other people who know about it is another way to do it. The tr Christian tradition, it would fall under, as we as I said before, con contemplation. So the works of Thomas Keating are kind of classic. Thomas Merton, his book on contemplation is a good one for this kind of thing. There's there's a huge treasury of those, but those can be a little harder to get into if you're just starting. So you might want to, I'd really start with the practical stuff. 
one more, um, Ruth Haley Barton. She has a book on solitude and silence mm. that's a, a very nice, uh, gentle introduction to these kinds of practices. Mm. That's probably a good one. Super helpful. Oh, were you doing? Well, so just a quick quick uh, jumping in there. It, you mentioned some books and even just a good first step is just go take the walk and quiet down, <laughs> see what happens. Um, are there, you know, you were talking about trying to take out some of the distractions. Um, I loved what you said about, you know, I had brought up the shield, which you're right. And I think that was a really <laughs> fascinating point. Um, but to help with meditation, is there anything you you think is useful to bring in? Like, are there certain, we didn't talk about sounds at all. We talked about breathing mm -hmm. a little bit. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, is it a certain kind of music or is that too distracting or ocean mm. waves or rain or like oh, yeah. what, what would be, what is useful to people? Oh, that's, that's such a, that's a great question. Um, and again, everybody, people are going to be very different. They're going to come to this differently. A quick note, since you brought up trauma, with trauma, folks who have experienced trauma and are in a place where that's something they're very aware of, often what's helpful for meditation isn't so much quiet body things because sometimes their bodies are just in a place right now where that's not, doesn't feel safe for them to be. So an outside sound is actually can be a really helpful thing. So it could be what, it could be a bird. It could be, and, and I was gonna say what you brought up the uh, ocean waves, that kind of thing for many of us, outdoor quote unquote natural sounds mm. are very relaxing by their nature. Um, I suppose maybe not a th thunderstorm if you're afraid of thunderstorms, but you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, you know, ocean, some, something gentle, uh, wind, that sort of thing. Those sounds can be in fact very calming. So yeah, they, I'm glad you brought that up. There are just so many ways to become more mindful. And then the meditation part is, I would suggest moving into kind of a restful way of being with whatever that is, a sound, a, a sunset, um, a friend that you are really comfortable with and you've just had a great dinner and you're gonna just, you're just in that good place, right? And just be quiet together for two minutes. Um, there are all different kind of ways you can move into that mindful meditative state with things exteriorly as well as, you know, your breath or something yeah. inside, yeah. Well, I don't want to jump because this is really important because you even talked about there's reasons that you mm -hmm. wouldn't meditate alone. Mm -hmm. Like, so what you're saying even too with trauma, you know, you might want to have some noise. You even mentioned oh, having same. a friend, you know, mm -hmm. someone who meditates really well looking at Lake Ontario, that might mm -hmm. not be a good place for someone sitting on your back porch, even just being at home. So, I mean, what suggestions would you give? Because... I'm a highly extroverted person. Mm -hmm. If Aaron and I decided, maybe this will be a social media post. If we decided <laughs> to like meditate, you know, and be in the same place, mm -hmm. we might end up talking. He might, he'd, he'd be good. He'd be like, in a very gracious way, shut up, Peter. But <laughs> uh, he wouldn't say the word shut up. I just want to leave. So are there any considerations based on those types of things? You mean as far as somebody who's extrovert, for example, or just... Well, even trauma extra, because mm -hmm. you, you gave some good caveats, even just questions to ask yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it needs to be it needs to be somewhere. So I it's helpful to have a regular place and a regular time Although you don't have, it's not rule-based, like you need to be gentle with yourself, but a regular place in time. And um, again, a relative amount of less stimulus, mm. right? Um, so those are kind of P1 
pieces and then starting very small. I, two min, there is nothing to be ashamed of, two to three minutes. If you sit with your friend, you could agree, if we're going to do this, you know, we're going to help each other. We're, real, we're not going to talk to three minutes. And if we do, you know what, we're going to start the timer over again. We're just going to try and be together for two to three minutes and not talk. Mm-hmm. And then what's that like afterward? Talk about it afterward, right? But you could that, that the advantage of doing it with someone or someones who want to do it, um, and even if you're not together, if you're in contact, and be like, you know, let's try this for a week. Let's just see what would it be like. And you could just text each other, how'd that go for you today, right? So there's something uh, that helps us in terms of human motivation to have some communal support around it. But regular time, regular place, start small, know yourself enough to know. Is the walking piece going to help me first? Maybe I need to do a little walk for 10 minutes and then sit down for five. Like, know yourself. Mm-hmm. Am I going to fall asleep? Because I'm trying to do it first thing in the morning at five o'clock before. You know, like, really, seriously, might not be the best time. <laughs> so you do. You need to have a little self-awareness to do it. I love mm-hmm. it. Well, we always close with this question. And the great thing about partnering with Northeastern we answer this question too. So whatever heresy, you just have to clean up. So <laughs> the question is, is what does Jesus have to do with meditation? So you gave me a Sabbath rest last time. Yeah. I feel like I should give you a Sabbath rest. Give me a chance to meditate on give, give you a chance to meditate on that. So <laughs> Probably not for three minutes, though. <laughs> for a podcast that right. did airtime is not a great thing, right? You know, I keep telling him he's a communications director, and it's comments like that of why. So... <laughs> um, you know, when I hear this conversation, we said that Jesus doesn't talk about meditation, but it was in the air that we breathe. I, I go back to the Lord's Prayer and how unbelievably practical Jesus is. You know, it's not go and pray. It's this is how you pray. <laughs> and even as each line, I mean, our friend Nijay Gupta, who we had talk about prayer on this podcast, like he literally could walk, he wrote a book on each line of that prayer. Mm-hmm. And you think about what Jesus wants for us. And part of that is to be, you know, I love how you're saying, and I might be stealing Aaron's thunder, you know, this whole picture, if you're watching us online, this whole picture of boxing ourselves in, whereas we're pushing out. And I think that Jesus, what he's even saying with prayer is to be aware of what's going on outside of you and somewhere you have to start with the biases and blind spots inside. So mm-hmm. I think meditation just is very, very powerful. And I think there's a beautiful resurgence that coupled with Jesus could really make a difference because that's why you've been created. So mm-hmm. that's all I got. Yeah, no, I think that this is a, such a great topic and um, the whole topic of spiritual formation is fascinating, um, but also the uh, idea of 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 meditating, of taking intentionally taking time to quiet um, and to um, you know allow God to speak to me, and uh, I think that that's good. I think that's a, a blessing for um, just I mean just prayer in general. Not that they're necessarily the same thing, but if prayer is talking with God and you're opening yourself up to let um, God talk to you, I think that's a that's a that's a good thing to get past the distractions. And Peter, I think you had a great point there. Um, what what are some of the shields I'm putting up um, that I may not be aware of? And you don't know that until you stop and quiet down. So I think this is a, it's a, it's a good thing. Um, you know, and I think it's a good topic that people, whether they're in the church or not, can be talking about and thinking about. 
Um, but we do know uh, that in the Bible, you know, <laughs> we're told to, to be still and know him. Well, stillness <laughs> takes some takes some practice and takes some work, and particularly in our culture where we are bombarded. I mean, whether it's on social media or elsewhere, um, and we just need to, to make that space. So I, I really love this topic. I'm excited to continue learning more about it. Wonderful. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm glad that you mentioned that scripture from the Psalms about um, being still. And it's great if you actually look at that Psalm, there's so much chaos going on in that moment. Right. And it's this little be still in the midst of this and, and know that I'm God and the implication is and that you're not, right? right. I'm just like, <laughs> rest a minute. Uh, and yeah, it seems to me in so many ways um, that where I see Jesus connecting with something like this is I really believe and, and, and personally know Jesus to be someone who really wants us to be full, flourishing human beings. When you read the Gospels, he sees the people who are suffering. He sees them. He's able to see them. And he reaches out and brings them in and, and makes them the center of his attention and and then sets them off to, to go ahead and live their lives. Um, and and so I see him wanting that for us. And frankly, I, there's part of me that thinks he looks at us in this hectic pace that we most of us live. So many, not everybody, but most of us are living lives that could be described as kind of driven. We are driven by our tasks. We're driven by expectations, responsibilities. And I really think there's a, a part, there's, there's something in Jesus would say, rest. It's all right to rest. You don't have to prove anything. Mm. Um, you can rest. And he said to his disciples, come, come rest. Come away, rest. Um, you who are weary, heavy laden, come rest. Learn from me. Um, he, he accomplished an immense amount in the time that he walked the earth, but he wasn't running around desperately like driven we don't that's not the picture that the scriptures reveal of him um, that you know he was able to move through life he had a mission he had a purpose and he was very receptive to people around him he could pause for interruptions and it didn't throw his day and get him whooped up right and there was there was this restfulness to who he is and i really believe he wants that for us yeah. you know everybody knows what our website is um we'll connect it uh, I just think it's appropriate to have you close us in prayer for this podcast. Um, I just, um, yeah. So go ahead. Thank you. I'd Dr. Love to. Sure, love to. Gracious God, I thank you that you are a God who primarily and first and foremost loves us, loves your creation, delights in people and, and all that you've made and that you really long for us to know our belovedness through others and, and from you too. And I thank you that you invite us to be people who can um, not only do things for you and for others, but who can receive uh, the goodness, the good things this life has and receive goodness from you and be aware of each other and you in our lives. And so, Lord, I just ask for everybody that's listening, um, whether they are aware of you yet or not, I, I ask that your grace would rest on them, would draw them, and that you would draw everyone listening to this to moments of awareness of the fact that you've got them in mind and in heart. You've got their backs. Um, that you invite us to have times where we rest with and delight in you. In Christ's name, amen. <laughs>